All right, folks, this is it. This is it. Podcast episode number two of the Join the Journey podcast starts right now. Today, I talk a little bit about why I decided to use the green leaf as the logo for the Join the Journey blog and now the Join the Journey podcast. Also, I interview a very special guest. I'm super excited to start this thing and hope you all will join me as we go on this podcast journey together. All right, folks, so for our first section today, I'm going to talk a little bit about why I decided to use the green leaf as the logo for the Join the Journey blog and now the Join the Journey podcast. When I originally started the Join the Journey blog, I wasn't sure if I wanted a logo or not. Should I? Should I not? I didn't really know. But after a little bit of time of thinking, I thought that it would be a good idea. After all, I wanted something that my readers could use to take what they were reading and connect it to me and also to the project. So I hit the drawing board. And within a few days, I had an idea. I was going to use the mountains. I've hiked the entire Georgia stretch of the Appalachian Trail. I've hiked out west to New Mexico. To me, this was the perfect idea. After all, that idea with the name Join the Journey? Man, that was it. But... I just didn't like it. I thought I could do better, so I scratched the idea. Then another idea came to mind, and that was to use a tree. Now, a tree is already a logo for Camp Independence, but I was convinced that I could find something that was, yes, a tree, but that was uniquely my own. Well, after scrolling through dozens and what seemed like hundreds of concept ideas and designs, I didn't like anything that I was seeing, and nothing really spoke to me. So, I scratched that idea too, and went back to the drawing board. Now, 0 for 2. Not looking good. In frustration, I decided to call it quits for a couple of weeks and see if I could get any inspiration while I took a break. And would you know it, one day when I was running, it hit me. I needed to use the green leaf. The green leaf's significance is rooted in Camp Independence tradition. Every year at Camp Independence, there is a memorial ceremony for campers and staff members who have passed away from the previous year. The memorial ceremony also honors those who were under the care of Choa's transplant department, but who were never actually able to come to camp. When this tradition originally started, a piece of felt would be cut in the shape of a blade of grass. When the felt piece was cut, someone would write the name of the individual they wanted to honor on the felt piece and it was placed on the tapestry. Over time, the tapestry grew so much that there was no longer room for grass. It was at this point that more felt pieces were used to create a tree. And over time, the tree grew larger and larger in size. Until it came time to place branches on the tree. And as more years passed, more room was taken up on the tapestry until no more branches could be added, and we had to start using leaves, specifically green leaves. Throughout my almost 17 years of involvement, if COVID hadn't happened this year, it would have been my 17th year, I have personally placed four leaves on this tapestry. The first leaf symbolizes my organ donor that I do not know but I hope to one day meet. The other three 
are in honor of friends who I have lost at camp. Each time I placed one of these on the tapestry, it hurt to put it on the tapestry. I knew that I had lost a friend, but at the same time I was reminded and came away with a deeper appreciation for the life that I have been given. And it also reminds me to live my life in a way that is not only honoring to my donor, but is also honoring to my friends who have passed away. Beyond that, I also came away with a better understanding of how I needed to live my life in a way that those who had passed and the other names on the tapestry would have wanted to live their lives. And believe me, folks, these, fo these people lived big lives. I know, for instance, one of my friends, Victor, who unfortunately has passed away since, um, would wake me up at about 5.30 in the morning. Keeping in mind, breakfast didn't start for us till 8 o'clock. This was way too early for me to be woken up. And he would wake me up at 5.30 in the morning and shake my bed. And he'd say, Wills, you better be ready for camp, man. Today's going to be a great day. And man, he just, he would hype me up and he got me so excited for camp. I couldn't, I couldn't go back to sleep. So I would go to breakfast, having been awake for probably longer than anyone else, except for the counselors. That's just one of many examples of funny things that my friends have done that have shown me that I need to live my life big, just like they live their lives. So that's why I decided to use the logo that I use, the green leaf. To me, it's all about honoring those who have passed and also celebrating their lives while in the process knowing that I have a life to live. And it's for that reason that I decided to use the logo. Now, now that we know why I use the logo, we're going to hear from somebody who has many more years of camp experience than I do. And he's going to talk a little bit about his own transplant journey and what this service means to him. All right, y'all. So I'm super excited for this interview. Today, we're going to be interviewing my friend, Matt Schneider. Matt and I have known each other from Camp Independence for quite some time now. Matt has an incredible transplant story of his own, and he's also doing some really great things in the community to help raise awareness about organ and tissue donation. I'm super excited for this interview. So Matt, take it away, man. Uh, so I am Matt Schneider, as Will said, and I am a 44-year-old four-time kidney transplant recipient. I was uh, born with... Uh, Eagle Barrett syndrome, and my kidney function was only 10% when I was born, um, and uh, they didn't do transplants for kids very early in 1976, so um, they just kind of let me live with my 10% function, and then finally, when I was 10 years old, they said my kidneys were completely failing, and uh, told my mom that I need, or my parents, I need to get a transplant. Uh, and this is down in Miami, Florida, South, or South Florida, in Coral Springs, where I grew up. Uh, so at uh, 10 years old, I had to start dialysis. Uh, dialysis is a way that you, uh, it's a machine that basically does the same function as your kidney. Uh, it cleans out wastes in your blood and uh, pulls off fluid from, uh, from your body because your kidneys, the urine is the fluid, and it's also the poison that builds up. So the kidneys are your uh, filter. 
So I was on dialysis for uh, just six weeks and uh, had my first transplant on August 26, 1987, when I was 11. Uh, my mom was my first donor, and uh, that kidney lasted seven years. And in those seven years, uh, I went from South Florida and moved up to Atlanta. Uh, I moved to Atlanta in 1991 from South Florida, and um, within we moved in February of 91, and within two weeks, I was in the hospital. And uh, when I went to CHOA, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, which was just Eggleston at the time, uh, my nurse told me about uh, Camp Independence and asked if I might be interested. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. But uh, sure, I'll go to a camp. I was 14 years old. Um, and to back up a bit, when I had my first transplant in Miami, uh, there was no children's hospital there. So I was at an adult hospital at the at 11 and um i was just surrounded by adults who had transplants so i literally thought i was the only kid who had a transplant because i had never met any child who had a transplant my age so um going from an adult hospital to choa i was immediately spoiled and the nurses were amazing because it was a children's hospital and they wanted me to be as comfortable as possible um, the nurses down in Miami were great, but an adult hospital, they do things a little different and it's not very colorful and child friendly. Uh, so when I went to Cho and went to camp, uh, I met for the first time ever people or kids my age who had a transplant when I was 14. And um, from that week in 1991, uh, it changed my life. I realized I wasn't alone. And I met lifelong friends. And now in 2020, um, this year, although obviously we missed camp, this would have been my 30th year at uh, Camp Independence. I was a camper for four years. And uh, then I volunteered as soon as I turned 18. And uh, I have only missed three, week, three, uh, three weeks out of the past 30 years. And that was due to illnesses just recently. So I had a nice streak of 26 years in a row before I got sick a couple of years ago. That's a really long streak, man. Yes. yes. So it just it um, your wow. 17 Woo. by a little bit. Yeah, just, just a few, just a few. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so camp was my lifesaver and it gave me, um, not only did it help me realize that I wasn't alone, but it gave me a purpose um, because mm -hmm. I had my transplant at such a young age. I could, and I've grown up with my transplant and uh, the three others after that. Um, I'm able to share my story with the kids at camp and give them advice and answer their questions because I did have a transplant whenever they did because uh, we have nine-year-olds all the way up to 18. And uh, I've lived the life that they're living now. And hopefully I can help them um, feel better about being able to make it to 44 or when I get to 50 or 60, because I'm not going to stop going to camp. So yeah. hopefully um, the kids can look up to me and realize that everything will be okay. Even though they're sick as kids, they'll still live their lives and they'll have good lives like I did, like I have. Yeah. And I, I know um, just from going to camp for, like you said, my 17 pales in comparison to yours. <laughs> Um, but growing up, you know, I was that kid that I was, man, I was, I was the camp kid. If there was something crazy to be doing, 
I was probably doing yeah, you it. You were not probably. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no probably to it. Um, but yeah, to kind of reiterate where you were saying, you know, that feeling that you know you're not alone. Yep. That it's not just you. That there's something powerful to that. That I felt at camp. That you know, coming from my school and my environment, you know, I knew that other kids had probably had a transplant, but I never actually met them. Right. And then when I started meeting them, and I started meeting, you know, folks such as you and um, the camp directors and everybody else, it just it felt like it felt like home. Yeah. To me, is is really what it felt like. It's it's easily my um, second family. Oh, definitely. I, I second that notion. Um, and I know that you have been able to speak life into me as well as countless other teens and, 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 um, and kids. I appreciate that. Um, and even some adults. Um, but I know that a big part of camp that we do is the uh, remembrance ceremony. And that's actually where I got um, the leaf idea oh, from. Okay. Because, as, awesome. uh, yeah, so, you know, you know, where we do the leaf, you know, we write the name on it and we put it on and we put it on that canvas. Yep. Um, and I thought that that was a really cool way to kind of honor, um, honor those that have passed, but also celebrate the lives that they lived, um, and also help others live as well. Um, so if you could a little bit, just kind of maybe talk a little bit about, um, that service kind of how that's, how that's looked over the years, yeah. uh, knowing that it probably didn't start out the way it is now. Uh, um, close though. Um, pretty close. Yeah, very close. Like, okay. When we have the tree, what we do is we have a, um, a big, uh, mobile thing that there's a, um, a tree drawn on it and grass and flowers. And then we, um, we write names of people who have passed away and it's not only just camp people, it's family members. And however you, any of the kids want to do a remembrance of somebody. And, um, and then we, we paste it up onto the tree, which is we usually use leaves to fill the tree up, but we also have clouds and flower flower uh, petals and stuff like that. Um, so actually, we started doing that in probably 1994. So that has been a pretty constant thing. Um, we will uh, share stories. We'll we'll have a list of the kids who have passed away from the previous year of camp. And um, and then people stand up and share stories and it's a it's a remembrance service. So it is sad because we have lost our friends, but it's also remembering the great times that we had at camp. Yeah, and, I, I know realizing um, how lucky we are. to be. Able I've to been I've been in that service a few times, um, shed many tears over it um, and also yeah. a lot of laughs, you know, looking exactly. back. Yeah, sharing the stories of everybody that we may have known a little bit of, or were we re really close to, um, 30 AM before we even had to get up, yeah, uh, breakfast one. Exactly. till breakfast until what, eight o'clock or something like that. Yep. Yep. Eight o'clock. So he woke me up and he'd shake my bed and he'd just be like, man, you gotta get up. It's camp time. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude, it's five 30. Why are you waking me up right now? <laughs> doing, exactly. doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But yeah, man, it's like you said, it, it's adding, it's adding that meaning, um, to that loss, but also celebrating the life. Um, that they lived and that they represented. Exactly. Um, and I I'm sure I can speak for you as well on this and say, you know, how, how grateful I am every time I go um, and humbled and honored that I am still here and that I'm still able to share my story and carry on the legacy of those um, that have gone before me and, and really honor them um, and live my life in a way that not only honors them, but also honors my donor. Exactly. Um, yep. And I think that's so important.
So is there any is there any funny story or anything that you that you might have off the top of your head of somebody who whose name is on there um, that you just think of them and you're like, man, they they had it together. Well, honestly, I can't really name one name because I know almost every name on there mm-hmm. since it started in 1994. Yeah. But wow. uh, it just actually a couple of years ago when I turned 40, um, I was at that service and I was reminded of how blessed and lucky I am because um, of all of the names on that tree who have been to camp, only mm-hmm. two of them lived past 40 so um it just kind of hit me is why am i still here um all of these amazing people didn't make it to my age and um what what's my purpose right um that just gives me even more meaning to help spread the word about organ donation and keep all of their memories alive and Mm -hmm. um just proves how blessed i am and um, all of my friends who have passed away from from the years, they they lived their lives amazingly, and camp was a big part of their lives, and um, they have impacted my life and will always be with me because it, it really is just another family, and it's, it's like losing a family member. Um, yeah, like I've had uh, five of those names were actually former campers of mine when I was their counselor. So it's and then others were really good friends who were uh, in my cabin when I was a camper. So it just is uh, it, it just gives my life even more meaning when I think of those those names and those uh, friends that I had at camp. Definitely. I, I second that notion as far as knowing, you know, knowing your meaning, but also and being thankful. And I did not realize that thing, something that you had said, and that was about the amount of names on that on that tree um, that had lived past 40. I did not recognize that. Yeah. Well, um, that's because wow. I knew them all. And um, right. it's just, and that's the hardest part about camp. Camp is for mm. kids. So a large majority of the people who are going to go throughout the years are going to be kids. And um, unfortunately, a transplant is a chronic illness. And a lot of people who have chronic illness have more issues sometimes than just the transplant and uh, they succumb to those issues. It's not always the transplant. So um, that's just the toughest part. Um, And and a transplant isn't a cure. It's uh, it just, it's a fixer upper, which is why I've had four. I started young at 11. I had my mom's kidney for seven years. And then I got my dad's kidney. I had that for four years. Then I got my brother's kidney. I had that for 15 years. And then most recently, I got an angel donor who I, uh, I don't know yet. I have not heard about her yet, uh, but I got her transplant uh, almost five years ago. Wow. Yep. Man, you're, you're, you're a warrior. That gum, man. Well, well, I appreciate it. But it's just it's well, you, my life. I mean, since I was true. sick and I, I had dialysis at 10, it just... The, one of the reasons that I kind of am the way I am is I just go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. I know I'll be better and I know God's watching over me and uh, everything will work out. Amen to that, man. Yep. Well, I know that you'd mentioned that you were doing a little bit and it, that your story had kind of challenged you to um, impact some folks and 
and raise awareness. I know that you got your own stuff going on with with all of that. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I uh, I started a um, a cross country organ donor awareness campaign. I started it two years ago, and uh, the plan is, or was, and still is, to go across the country on a uh, mobility scooter um, for about 5,000 miles. And every stop I'm going to take, I'm going to contact the local news and talk about my story and talk about how we need uh, organ donors and um, just tell stories that people haven't heard about transplants because a lot of people just think it's scary. And if they sign up to be a donor and they're in an accident, the doctors aren't going to save their lives and, and all of those crazy things that are said. And I want just them to hear the truth and hear how much they can help. And maybe even a living donor or two will come out and, uh, and just want to help the stranger. I mean, yeah. that's what uh, I've, I've had three family members help me and then a total stranger helped me five years ago. So um, right. I started it two years ago and I went from Miami where I had my first transplant. And I traveled up Florida through Georgia and stopped at, in Atlanta at Choa, at uh, Emory, and at Piedmont, the three other places I had my transplants. So that's all four transplants. And, and then I went up to Nashville from Atlanta. Uh, but unfortunately, I ran out of money and I had to turn around. But uh, this year, I was going to continue the trip in February. But uh, a little thing called COVID happened, so uh, yeah, kind of kind of derailed. A few yeah, things. I kind of stopped my plans uh, for this whole year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, if everything goes well in the next couple of months, and COVID calms down, and people wear masks, uh, hopefully on February twenty fourth, which will be my five year anniversary for this transplant, uh, I will start in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and uh, head west and end up in Los Angeles um, two and a half months later. Wow. Yep. That's, that is so cool, man. I, I, I hate, I, I was following you when you started it. And when you said you had, you were, you know, you're derailing it for the first one. I'm like, Oh man, darn. Yep. And then COVID happened this time around and man, it has, it has totally, it's totally changed things, but I, I hope that you're able to get back out there and, and, keep doing what you're doing um because it is making a difference and um i know i'm following you and i know other folks can follow you as well on your on your journey and support you through it is there anything else you want to talk about that maybe we haven't talked about yet um i'm on this interview i'm glad that uh, you're doing this and because we need a lot of a lot more people out there who want to share Mm -hmm. their story and show people how important organ donation is because um, one of the things I've learned doing my research on trying to know all the facts before I did my trip was um, that we could easily get rid of the transplant waiting list if just one half of the percent of uh, Americans registered to be an organ donor and um, wow. or a living donor for kidneys. Uh, but it's 50, uh, I think it's 52% of America are registered organ donors, but 98% of Americans are agree with it. So we need to just get those other 40% uh-huh. to register. I mean, they believe in it, but they just either don't think about it. Nobody's talked to them about it. 
other than asking them if they're it's okay with it. Um, and then right. the more people hear about it, and the more people hear that the um, the doctors do what they're supposed to do, and um, they're not going to steal your organs if you're in an accident. Or also hearing how easy it is for people, not easy because it's a major surgery, but how um, yeah. how less difficult it is to be a living donor for kidneys mm. and even uh, half livers they do now. Um, that yes. Just uh, like my mom, my dad, and my brother are all perfectly healthy. Uh, they each only have one kidney and uh, they're doing great. And they were fine just a month after they gave me their kidneys. So wow. um, it's it's really with the way medical science has gone, it's really not that difficult to uh, to give somebody else a life and uh, give up one of your organs that you don't really need anyway because you have two of them. Right. And your yep. liver will grow back if you give part of your liver. That is that is something that's really cool that where they are they've been able to do that split liver. Um, I know uh, we have a family friend who. Um, one of their kids recently had a split liver and I'm just, I'm fascinated every year to, to see the new research that comes out, um, and the new headway that is made, um, both in, in the labs, but also out in the community, you know, getting that, getting, getting the word out there and dispelling those myths and sharing those facts and things that I'm doing and things that you're doing that really do make a difference. It makes, it makes an impact whether you realize it when you start out or whether you realize it four or five years down the road. Um, And I hope that that this podcast and kind of some of the other things that I'm doing that I've shared about um, operation impact that I'm doing my internship and other things that can really bring light to the, to the topic and really show how not only life giving and life saving, but life enhancing um, and transforming that, that this is not only for the recipient, but also for, um, the donor to, to know that, um, you have, you've not, not only have you impacted a family, but you know, that's, that's somebody that's going to go on and impact other people and, and live a life that hopefully is, you know, fulfilling and that they're able to really, you know, speak life and, and, you know, like I keep saying, you know, bring, bring an impact to the, their family or their community or even the community or even the exactly. world. I mean, the greatest gift um, to give is, is life. So if someone's able Very to true. do that, especially for um, deceased donors, uh, it's, it's I've the, mm. out of the family members that have deceased family members, the deceased donor family members I've talked to, the um, as tough as everything is during that time, when they realize that uh, their loved one has helped up to seven people live their lives and continue mm. on, um, it just gives them more peace that uh, their family members' right. parts are still out there keeping somebody alive, and they saved somebody's life, seven people's lives. So, so it's, right. uh, it's a blessing to be able to have their life continue on, it, even though there was an accident and uh, they aren't around anymore. Right. And I'd also know that, you know, with now that what they're able to do with cornea transplants and with... Um, and with tissue as well, I mean, that's a that's a whole nother population. Exactly. Yeah. They save seven um, lives beyond the change, organs that you can change a hundred lives with tissues and cornea right. and, and everything. So you're not just giving people their actual life back when you give the major organs. 
but you're giving somebody and like their life back if they need a tissue, right. like they uh, they can't run anymore and now they can run again, or they can't see anymore and now they can see again. There are so many amazing mm-hmm. stories that I've seen over the years. Because not only have I been a part of camp, but uh, I heard you. I listened to the first podcast. Good job. And talking about the Thank transplant you. games as well. I've been doing that since 1992 as well. Wow. And um, meeting, I've even gone to the World Transplant Games once in 2011. Oh, and man, lucky. Meeting people with transplants, not just all over the country here, but meeting people from Japan and China and Australia and all over mm. the world who have gone through the same things I have and they have amazing stories and some of them, I think that my my life has been a little difficult with four transplants, but it's nothing compared to some of the stories I've heard. So those people mm-hmm. are inspiration yeah. to me, even though a lot of people say I'm an inspiration because of what I've gone through. But uh, I know how much harder it can be and how much stronger other people have been. Very true. Very true. Man, you beat me to it. I've I've always wanted to do the, the transplant games and do the world one. But, you know, I think between COVID and some other things going on uh, with that, it might be a little while till we can do that again. But, man, I, 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 I can share that feeling of, you know, coming away with, you know, you know, you have a story and you've heard folks, you know, that you've impacted, you know, you hear their stories. But then you start talking to donor families and folks from around the country, and in your case, around the world, um, it really does. It adds a fresh perspective um, on things, and really, you know, makes you makes you thankful for the life that you have, um, and also for your for your new friends that you come yeah, away with exactly. from camp and from and yeah. from the transplant games. And and that's another way, like you said, that uh, people like us do things to help get the word out. But if you also look up, like the. Uh, transplant games of America and um, and other things that are done for transplant. Uh, there's so many stories that you'll find, and um, it just is. Uh, there's so many amazing things that you can hear about and learn more about, and uh, you could be maybe be a part of that family if you uh, maybe want to give a kidney or something, or even just donate yeah. or donate time or volunteer or just helping the transplant community because there are a lot of people out there who need help. And, uh, that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. I've, I've been helped not just the four times, but, uh, nurses and volunteers and so much has been given to me through all of that stuff. I want to give back as much as I can. Man, I, I share, I share in those feelings. That's why I'm, that's why I'm in my program in social work. You know, I want to combine, the things that have happened in my life with, with what I learned in my program, you know, to really go out and, you know, share my story, but also to, to really help out folks who um, in some ways are just like me. Um, And that that's powerful to, to have somebody who's a social worker or anyone in the healthcare field, you know, who's, who's walked the life, who's, who's gone through the medicine challenges, who's gone through the, the hospital, you know, everything that, everything that's involved in all of that to be able to, you know, bring that understanding into your work environment and then turn around and helps and help some folks along the way. To me, that's, that's the biggest, um, that's, that's the biggest goal in life. If you ask me is to, is to use the time and the talents and the gifts and the life that you've been given to, 
you know, turn around and really impact others for good um, and hopefully make yep. a difference and when it's all said and done. That and uh, I'm very glad that I've been able to watch you grow I appreciate over that. the years through camp and the games and, uh, and you're doing an excellent job and you are going to be very successful. Thank you. Well, I, I hope so. I, the way I look at it is that, you know, I have a story and, you know, I, yeah. I have a story and I want to share it. Um, and, you know, with, with all the awesome technology that's out there now, um, the ability to write blogs, the ability to do podcasts like we're doing right now, um, the, the avenues that exactly. you can take are abundant. Um, it's, it's just a matter of, of, you know, wanting to do it and, and taking the time to do it like you've done today. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, talking about camp independence. And I know that your story has inspired me and will probably inspire countless others for your, for years to come. Um, and I'm just, I'm just super blessed and thankful for you and what you have meant in my life. It's not a, well, it's I not a kiss that. up. It's the truth. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, hopefully this, this COVID stuff will, will navigate through this season as a transplant community and as individuals together. Um, and you'll be able to get back out on the road with what you're doing um, with, with your awareness campaigns, with scooting for donors and yes. scooting for donors 2.0 um, and, and follow you and support you because you really are, you're, you're making a difference. And just like what I'm trying to do and countless other folks, um, whether they be with organ procurement organizations, whether they be doctors or whether they just be, you know, Exactly. Campers at Camp Independence. Um, at the end of the day, we all have a story to tell, and it's my hope that this podcast will allow allow those folks out there um, who maybe haven't been given a voice yet um, to have that voice and to be empowered to to share their story and impact people like I well, know that you have. And impacted. it wouldn't be uh, um, it wouldn't be out there if it wasn't for you. So I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, you're doing an excellent <laughs> job. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yep. Well, hey, it was great talking with you. I, I, I hope that we can oh, see 100%. each other again at Camp Independence. In 2021, we're, we're going to have to bring a little bit extra energy to make up for everything exactly. lost on 2020. Um, and I have a feeling I'll be yes, right there spearheading that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will be. There is no doubt about it. Hey, man, well, it was great talking with you. Have a blessed rest of the week. And thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm very honored well, and humbled that, that you would take the time. All right, everyone. So that's a wrap for the second episode of the Join the Journey podcast. Today, I talked a little bit about why I decided to use the green leaf as the logo for the Join the Journey blog and now the Join the Journey podcast. We also got to talk with Matt Schneider, a good friend of mine from Camp Independence, tell his own transplant story and talk a little bit about what he's currently doing to raise awareness in his community about organ and tissue donation. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. As always, I would challenge you all to go out and do something this week to make an impact, whether that's making an impact in your family, making an impact in your community, or making an impact in your world. Until next time, see ya!